What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. Go a lower register when there's a very special episode. Oh, okay, okay. Minor I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode 77. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. Tony Coitus, what's going on? How's the world? the world not great <laughs> not a great time to meet the world i would, I would argue uh you, you need to know the world at its best and at its worst um and that's what we're doing right now yeah yeah i mean like going through the world from the perspective of the 90s it just felt like endless opportunity like everything is looking up like the world, like the actual world in Boy Meets World, like the government, what goes on, like systematically, none of that plays a part into the lives of Corey because it really didn't for white folks in the 90s. It was just great. It's funny because <laughs> in this episode, we have a conversation about the cops. And I was like, this is so from a privileged place. And I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about all of it. Okay, okay. Uh, so do you want to just get into it so we can spend most of the time talking about that? Yeah, let's go ahead and do the synopsis, right? All right. So I believe we call that the Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. You know the show, so please share. Cora thinks Sean is fucking clear, but her dad's a dick and she's hiding there. Good for you. Better? Yes, so much better. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I did what I could. This was a very special episode. Which, can I say, the first very special episode? No, I mean, we've world? gotten, a, like, I think we've done a very special episode before, specifically with the one they mentioned with Sean and the Cherry Bomb. I don't know, bro. This is such, this feels so much more adult than that. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say, this is, this may be the most cliche of special episodes, but like blossom had, territory. Yeah. Like, but like, like, uh, Urkel getting held up by a gun or something. Like, it's crazy how adult we go from singled out to this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially when you look at this after singled out. You're like, wait, we're doing what now? <laughs> It comes out of nowhere and it hits you hard, much like Claire's dad. I <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible, but I love I, it. I, I've been in quarantine for a while, guys. I'm sorry. This is, I will say it was literally a one-two punch. Like, oh, uh, all right. Let's get into this. Tell, tell me, me about, about it. it. Okay. When Corey discovers that Claire has been sleeping over at Sean's place, he jumps to the obvious conclusion: they fuck. When he, yeah. <laughs> Especially when Sean swears him to secrecy. But Corey learns that they have a much more serious, much more dangerous problem. Her father is abusing her. Can we go ahead and do the roll call for Claire? Yes. So that stars uh, Ariana Richards as Claire Ferguson. Who I and I think the rest of the world know as uh, the girl from Jurassic Park. Is that one. her? Yes. Ah, uh, Okay. All right, so, so she had a good. Just to... <laughs> she had a good series there in the nineties. Yeah. Good few years. I, what I'm hearing is this girl needs a lot of therapy. 
I, I mean, <laughs> first chased by dinosaurs, then her dad. I mean, this girl can't catch a break. <laughs> exactly. You know what? I, I do want to preface this in saying I am not making fun of child abuse. Oh, no. Neither never. of us are. Yeah, never. But the fact that this show tackles something so adult and still like peppering in humor, the show had to expertly craft the tone of the show for it to still be a sitcom and still take on something that's so intense. And they did it by Trojan horsing us with the sex storyline. So can we talk about the Corey thinking Sean and Clara fucking? Yes. So I'm not going to lie. In my notes, right in the beginning, I was watching this and I was like, oh, wait a minute, Sean's fucking? And I was like, I mean... Did you remember this episode from its original airing? I did So this was all. your first time yes. digesting all of this? Yes. Wow. Okay, I'm interested. Go ahead. No, no, I was just... When I first saw this, I was watching it kind of like a first-timer. And I was like, oh, shit. I liked the idea that... We start to see this whole bromance between Corey and Sean that kind of blurs the line of being a relationship. You know he what brought I mean? him flowers when he was sick. Exactly. And a humidifier. He's there to take care of him. And I liked that. We're, we're getting what will be a continuous running joke of the closeness and the platonic intimacy that these two share. A hundred percent. When Corey found out that Sean's parents weren't there and that he was sick, he reacted the way that a, a, a spouse or, you know, a, a significant other would react. Exactly. He was like, you were there without me? You know, like, it, it's, a, it's a little codependent, but it's part of their charm, especially when we know the future. So, um, but what ends up happening is that Corey pulls out that humidifier and out comes Claire in a robe. Sean looks at Corey. Corey looks at Sean. And it's just this understanding from Corey's perspective that they fuck him. Sean's like, you don't have to leave. Like, even though you don't know what's going on, he's like, you don't have to leave. And Corey's like, no, I want to give you your space and time. And Claire, I do like, Claire's like, you're not going to tell me when I was here. And Corey goes, the only person I would have told is Sean. And if he doesn't know, well then. <laughs> you know what? Corey gets in trouble for this later on because they're like, oh, you told Topanga, you told Topanga. He never says that Claire was at Sean's. He just says a girl was at Sean's. I noted that. I love that you brought that up because I was like, Corey's greatest flaw is that he talks without thinking. And so he'll let things be implied or he'll say things and it's like, your intent was something different, but you don't know how to deliver it and therefore you're in trouble. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think Sean is fucking... Oh, absolutely. Really? I think he is, but I think that – I don't know if he's, like, doing so regularly. I don't think he is sleeping with Claire. I think that Sean has – let's put it that way. I think Sean that Bro, Sean has. I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to shut this down. It's not the case. I'm going to put a quarter in the jar okay, okay, and okay. fast forward to season five, and then there was Sean – when the shot, when they oh, say right. only virgins survive in horror movies, so right. Jack says, I'm dead. Eric says, I'm dead. Sean says, I'll be as hurt as you can get before actually dying or some shit like that. You're right. 
I guess that's yeah. Like he's eating ass and stuff, but he's not like. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing. It's like, what do we consider? Are we going by Catholic girl rules? He said, "As sick as you can get before actually dying." That includes the whole gamut, as far as we know, because we learn in later on in this decade that even the president doesn't consider something sex. So. Just saying. <laughs> so, so top with topics. <laughs> well, so I love that you brought that up because what I wanted to say is to kind of stick with the virginity storyline. I love that Corey makes this assumption and Sean is constantly trying to make Corey feel secure with where he's at. He's like, don't do anything because of me. Or even because of what you think I'm doing. I I mean, yeah. Uh, To your point, Corey's kind of a dick in the beginning of this episode. Because not only does he not listen to Sean's advice and continues to put pressure on Topanga to be more sexually advanced than they are to compete with Sean, everyone in the episode is telling him the same thing. Eric's telling him the same thing. Like, there's no reason for Corey to treat Topanga that way or for that to be the outcome of this. He doesn't even try to have a, a conversation with Sean like, so, dude, you lost your virginity. Let's talk about it. There's none of that. He just assumes Sean's fucking, I can't believe I'm not there yet. And he then uses Topanga to kind of keep up with Sean. And as you mentioned, Sean, Eric, Topanga, everyone who knows about the situation is like, you should not be measuring your pace and life status by Sean. You are two different people. And we've seen this time and time again when Corey doesn't think he's cool, when Corey doesn't think he's attractive. Sean is constantly being like, I know that you think I have everything or that I'm doing something better than you, but you are doing things at your own pace, and that's the only thing that you should be doing. Bro, let's talk for a second about how Corey tries to fuck Topanga because... What he does is invite her upstairs to listen to some CDs in his new CD player, which is a very sexy move in the <laughs> 90s. If you have the new CD player with multiple discs, yeah. get out of here. You're getting pussy. There's no doubt about it. He pulls out the grapes, a must-have, because, of course, you want to have some sweetness and some, you know, uh, some water. You, grapes have a lot of water. It keeps you moist. <laughs> and he plays... A CD. Like, he didn't think about the music ahead of time. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, he had all these things stalled out. He's like, I'm going to take her upstairs. I'm going to have the grapes there. But I'm not going to make a slow jam mix for my first time having sex with my girl. Get the hell out of here. That's that's 101. That's basics. Corey is in over his head in several different ways. Not only is he kind of fumbling this whole seduction thing, but he straight out says when Topanga's like what's going on why why are you behaving this way he goes well I caught Sean with a girl the other day and that just got me thinking that we should be and it's like wait you actually told the girl who you're trying to seduce and have your first time with that you're only doing this because you saw your best friend what is wrong with you the way Topanga reacts to this at first I'm like good she's calling them out Whatever. But, I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, it seems as though she forgives him effortlessly. I don't think she forgives him effortlessly because the next day we actually see her be like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, it's not that she's overly angry with him or 
anything. She's just like, I don't know what to say. And I think that that's very true to Topanga because I think on one hand, she knows Corey and she knows that he's a buffoon. But on the other hand, she's insulted that he would even try to make this move based on Sean. I guess to me, and maybe this is a different episode, but it seems to me that Topanga would be the kind of person that would want to have a conversation about sex with her partner. Absolutely. And I take that from the like uh, the rumor episode from season three where they sleep in the broom closet editing the video about sex. And, you know, Topanga is very forthright about what she believes sex is and, you know, the importance of it. And so it seems odd that they haven't even like discussed it. Yeah. Well, I think that Topanga is like, we're doing just fine. You know, they're not ready there. And oh, that was another thing that I wanted to point out. The fact that Corey is like kind of hinting at it and skirting around the topic. I was like, if you are not mature enough to ask for it, then you are not mature enough to be doing it. Also, I got to put on the 2020 whistles, bro. He goes to remove that brawl without asking for consent. I don't mean to sound too PC principal about this, but guys. Well, this is what I'm talking about. Like, when I said you're not mature enough to ask, you can't ask Topanga for, like, you can't even say what you actually want to do, then you should not be having sex. That is where I stand as, of course, a 30-something-year-old. I know it's different when you're younger and a lot of people are weird about sex, but I still feel that if you cannot ask for what you want, you should not be doing it. A hundred percent. If you can't record a Jodeci song off the radio with a tape <laughs> in 1996, you don't you don't need to be having sex. Do you think maybe that's why they didn't have any fun to play on the radio? Because it's like all they would have had to do is play some slow jams, like some genuine or some Jodeci, and that would have no. They wouldn't have gotten the copyright for it. We would have gotten some like generic music, much like we did with their play on Barney, who that was not Barney singing that song. I don't know what that was. I was just saying the fact that they would have had to acknowledge that black people existed. They're not ready to do that oh, yet. <laughs> no, not in this Philadelphia. <laughs> Only one at a time, sir. <laughs> you can't have a whole group. Now you have to. Ex- explain why there's more than one black person yo can we have a conversation about the parable that eric shares with Corey? let's talk about that i liked it so eric which i thought was a a very uh, this is a very boy meets world decision but i i i I ultimately liked it to have eric um kind of push Corey in the right moral direction the way he does that is by telling him a story about a kid that he knew that took his training wheels off too early went down the hill and hurt himself and had to be in the sixth grade 11 times. Mitchell Davis. Let's not unpack that. So he basically says, you know, if you're not ready for it, you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, sex is like riding a bike. If you're, if you're not ready to take the training wheels off, you're going to fall off and hurt your hip. I think it's the quote. I guess my point was that Corey went upstairs to talk to Eric about his first time. Eric, you never even told me about your first time. You know, tell me about the details. Like, Corey is wanting... Uh, Eric to almost nudge him in the direction of like, yeah, I was 15 when I did this. Or, you know, like I, I, I wasn't even with a serious girlfriend when I did this. And Eric doesn't decide to tell him that. He tells him what he needs to hear, which is, you ain't ready for it, son. I loved how astute Eric was because you get this whole thing where the parents were like, what's going on with Corey? And Eric's like, it could be a bunch of things. Who knows? But when he goes upstairs, he knows exactly what's going on with Corey. And it's crazy because there's even a second storyline with Claire, but that's not 
what is really going on with Corey. The reason why Corey is being this weird is because he is comparing himself to Sean. And I love that Eric knew immediately. I love this story because it's about, as you were saying, not only is it about what Corey needs to hear, but it's said in a way where Eric is able to share and be vulnerable with his brother without get it into too much detail a hundred percent to all of that and what this episode does so well is that you're right there is an a and b storyline but they're kind of not they're so tied together that you can't have one storyline really exist without the other one with the way that they've written it and what's great is that you know a lot of times with women's world when they have an a and b storyline sometimes they give one storyline more attention to the other at a certain point in the episode they're like yo fuck this Corey trying to lose his virginity stuff we're just going to have the rest of this episode be about protecting claire and what that means which is such a great choice you thought it was a great choice towards the end of the episode i was like so are we gonna pick up the Corey and Topeka storyline at all or again was this a very because sometimes the simpsons will do this the simpsons will start off with like a mini storyline that was only a trojan horse to get you to a completely different larger story you mean every Simpsons episode ever? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's kind of what I meant when I said Topanga kind of forgives him effortlessly. Like, they never have a conversation. There's never a resolution to, like, Corey just says, like, essentially, like, you know, I'm not going to, I respect where we are, and I like kissing for now, and there's some grapes. But the conversation of, like, what sex is and what's important to them about sex i feel like it's something they really should address at some point but maybe we're not there yet i would just say i interpreted that as they're not ready to even handle that like i think if Corey was still pursuing it topanga would have had to have that con- they would have had to have that conversation but the fact that Corey's like you know honestly i had to be an adult for like half of a week and it was too much for me i think i'm ready to just be 15 i think that that kind of settled it at this point in the show i feel like like a Boner would make Corey nervous. Like, he wouldn't know what to do with it. He would be like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Someone help me. I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I Make it go away. Like, that's the vibe I get from him. I agree. And then also remember, I always remind myself, we are in a era pre-internet porn. So, you know, like, it's like there aren't all of these outlets. There isn't TikTok. There's not – Corey is still able to be like this 15-year-old in a bubble in a way that wouldn't quite work – today yeah what a, what a privilege that was <laughs> absolutely okay um so do you want to talk about claire yes i do okay so when we first meet claire we think that she's fucking sean but at some point sean shows up to Corey's house and this is right about the time that he's learning that he shouldn't non-consently pressure topanga into sex yeah um sean shows up and he's like hey man don't even worry about it friends forever it's not even a thing hey can i bring claire over here tonight and Corey assumes that sean (laughs) in his bed um that he shares with his brother very weird um but then sean says like hey just so you know i'm not doing anything like that with claire she's actually getting beaten up by her dad Corey makes a very interesting point by saying, wait a second, her dad is the vice president of a bank. And Sean's like, yeah, big important job, nice house, total creep. Amazing. Like, Boy Meets World is like, it's, it's, Boy Meets World has been championing the middle class 
throughout this whole season. And for them to be like, hey, just because a guy has a lot of money and he has a really prestigious job, it does not mean he's anything other than shit. And so it just, it, to me, it just felt like a continuance of the overall narrative we've been hearing about the middle class from the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, For me, it was interesting because... I feel like we're doing that thing with Boy Meets World where they are addressing it, but in what is probably a revolutionary way for the time, but very messy way upon rewatch, because you are acknowledging the fact that he has, they just keep saying, but he's VP of a bank. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of addressing this class issue. But at the exact same time, they champion the police and i think what sean and claire are hinting at is that he makes enough money he has enough position and power to where going to the police isn't necessarily going to solve the problem there's no guarantees that it will solve the problem which by the way that's never addressed again when discussing police for the rest of the episode and that a hundred percent is a major consideration when going to the police when dealing with someone who has a super prestigious important influence over a community yes and that's what i'm saying it's like i think sean and claire are trying to say that but the show itself just positions it as no you need to go to the police like Corey's like well have you tried going to the police i need to go to the police it's just it just is the only other option, and I'm not saying that it's not. I'm saying that they, again, raise a kind of blurred line and then never try to push past that blurred line. They just raise it. Yeah. Uh, so what happens for the rest of the episode is Sean trying to save Claire one night at a time. But what ends up happening is that she keeps progressively getting more and more beat up. This guy don't give a fuck. He's giving her such visible bruises on the arm, on the eye. I'm not trying to give anyone advice here, but if you're trying to hit someone without it, like, bring a lot of attention, go for a jab to the gut. What are you doing? (laughs) Well, like, so you're right. The very first time we see it, it's, like, on her arm, and she can cover it up with a sweater. Uh, I actually thought when she asked for a glass of milk and Corey goes to get it, I thought she'd be gone by the time he came back. Like, I thought... You know, like this idea that they were going to have Corey try to push to speak to his parents would get her to leave. Because I feel like, in I don't know, I've been watching a lot of SVU. And I feel like if this was SVU, <laughs> he, you know, she would have left and they would have had to track her down. But what they really just show is that she is just tired and she needs, she really does need a place to sleep. And as usual, you have a teen show where these teenagers are trying to deal with adult issues by themselves. It's just overwhelming. I have to ask you, there comes a time where we are talking about Sean brings up and Claire brings up the idea of loyalty and the child code, you know, like keep this between us. What do you think is the right thing to do? Because I think that it does bring up a very complex issue. As she said, if you were to tell anyone else, I would lie. So what do you do in this situation? I wanted to pose that question to you. It's so interesting. I literally wrote the same exact question to ask you (laughs) about when is the appropriate time for Corey to bring someone in? Like, obviously, when you're first hearing about it and it's just like Sean's friend who Sean's helping, it doesn't really feel like you have a place 
to insert yourself into that scenario. But once Sean ropes Corey in and has Claire say at his place, I feel like at that point, Corey has the freedom to get problem-solving tips from his parents or, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like, I understand the the trouble. But here's the thing is that Corey has never had a hard time ratting Sean out. When Sean was going to run away for the cherry bomb episode he got a ride there from his sean's parents like he's never had an issue with that before so that's why i think that like once he's spending the night at Corey's house that's when he has you know the, the go ahead i agree but the thing is it's different because it's sean i think it being a third party you know it's like it's never even an issue of him not telling that claire was at sean's place but it is once he's brought into it that he feels like he has to do something. You know what I mean? I kind of wish this episode was like a, a hair bit longer. Yes. And that we had one scene where Corey approached either his parents or Feeney or Turner and said, hey, I have this friend, no name given, <laughs> who is struggling with super vague oversimplification of the issue what should I do in this scenario? For Turner or Feeney to then say, well, then I would discuss it with people I feel comfortable, or nudge him in some particular way. Because there's no reason that Corey can't talk about this with just excluding Claire's name and the details about it. Well, I think it's because he's Corey and he can't, and that's that's part of the joke and part of the show. But I do like that, A, they do come to a conclusion because Corey on his own is like, all right, you can't keep doing this one day at a time. It's not going to be enough. And then once his parents do get involved, the boys have quote unquote solved it, but the parents bring in a different viewpoint, which is that, okay, you've solved it by getting her out. But distance was never the issue. A determined predator is a determined predator, and you have to consider bringing an authority at some point in time. I, I wish we would have got, like, a two months later, like, something like that before the epilogue, like, something to show that time has passed for the changes that they're implying to come into effect. Because what they say is that Claire is, you know, since all of this happened, the conclusion is that she's living with her aunt somewhere where there's beautiful flowers and that her dad is in a rehabilitation program. But logistically, to go from he just punched me in the eye yesterday to I'm leaving, like, he's he's her legal guardian. Like, he has full rights to her. There has to be some kind of trial for this to happen. I would imagine. I don't know. Give me something. Well, I think that, remember, we mentioned her mom in this situation, and they say her mom's scared. So it's not just between Claire and oh, her father. Her mom's getting beat up. That's her mom is also involved, and her mom's also scared. And I think that this is, again, this is a larger issue than they can actually really dive into, or that even a um, a time jump would show. Because this is a family dynamic and a family that we don't know anything about. And it's not like it's Sean's family or Topanga's family. This is a, a side character uh, that we're not really ready to invest in, number one. Number two is I think part of telling stories like this is that you never really get that conclusion with some people. You know, when these things are brought into your life and it's not your best friend, sometimes you don't get to find out how it ends. Like I think of you and I went to school with someone who kind of had a very similar issue. Like I remember there was abuse in her family and she ended up leaving school and being moved. And I never knew what happened to her after that. 
we knew that she got out of the situation. She was in a better situation. But after that, you lose touch. You just don't know. And I think that that's almost truth in storytelling. Yo, I remember being in middle school once where a girl who was in the seventh grade with me told me and my friend that she was getting sexually abused by her uncle or dad or something like that. And I just remember us not having any clue what to say or what to do. And it like till this day, sometimes I think about it and wonder like what I could have done. But honestly, I was a fucking kid. And that's what I try to remember when watching this show that like, it's, I know it seems irresponsible the way Sean's handling it, but like he's a kid. Of course he doesn't know how to handle it. I think that, as I said, I liked that when they they brought the parents in after the kids had solved it. You know, it's not like they went to the parents and the parents were like, okay, let's sit down together and figure out how to get her out. They didn't do that. The kids had already solved it and done as much as they could, but the parents came in and they were like, they didn't even like really chastise them for doing what they did they just let them see that it was a very limited solution and i feel like that's something that you have to understand you're dealing with children and children don't understand the largeness of the world there's so much meat on this episode okay all right what do you what did you think of claire's performance in this episode i thought that she did a good job and they wrote her character with many dimensions because she was willing she's willing to hold the secret when she's willing to hold the secret she is being that person again as someone who's watched a lot of svu she is being that um abused character who's just like if you come forward i will lie and you know it's not that bad i just get in his way she's saying all the things that are very cliche but she's saying in a way that you believe her i don't it doesn't feel inauthentic or that she doesn't believe what she's saying I thought she did a great job. I think she did a great job because, like I said, I am in quarantine with my mother and my fiancé. And we were all watching this together. And they legit got a little emotional when Claire is like, I didn't do anything to him. I didn't do anything. I don't know why he had me. I was like, all right, Claire. All right, Boy Meets World. You're pulling at the heartstrings here. I can see it. I can feel it. I don't know. It's a difficult position to be in. Because you understand, again, as we're older, that there is nothing that she's done and there's nothing that she could do. And I only get upset at the fact that there isn't much you can do from a 30-minute TV episode that would really address everything that needs to be addressed. You know, we need to see her father in rehab and understand that it's going to be a process. We need Claire to get therapy. We need to meet her aunt and understand that her aunt's not just going to easily hand her over at the slightest bit of inconvenience. You know what I mean? Like, these are things that we really need and want, but because that's not the focus of the show, the real focus of the show is Corey, Sean, Topanga, the Matthews, there's only but so much we can do um, from the sidelines. What do you think was the Feeny taught me of this episode? <laughs> well, I think if you're speaking directly from Feeny, the Feeny taught me is to keep the lines of communication open, which I would say could apply to every single storyline. I'm going to just take a shot in the dark here and say that I think the lesson of this episode was not said by any particular character in the episode, but one that I think is such a dope lesson to teach children, 
which is sometimes you are going to encounter problems in which you will have no solutions for and you will need to seek outside help. Like to me, like Corey is constantly trying to figure out what to do right and what to do wrong. And in this episode, like there was nothing him or Sean could do on their own at all. And it took, like, them trying everything before they realized, like, hey, this girl is getting hurt. We need to come up with something better. And so I just, again, dude, this fucking season is just taking the show to another level with storytelling and the lessons that these kids are learning. Because I feel like in season three, we would have got some shit like that handed to us on the silver platter. But this one just kind of implies that, hey, there's going to be bigger problems in the world than you're going to be able to tackle. And so that's what I loved about uh, this particular episode. Yeah, I would say that, again, Corey's whole, you know what, I just want to be 15 for right now, echoes what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you know, I got a little taste of the real world, and I just want to... I just want to be a kid and not take on those issues when I don't have to. Did you have a brum moment from this episode? My brum moment was the moment where Eric is talking about him and Mitch Davidson, Mitchell Davids. Yes. And, like... Corey says, you've never told me about your first time. And he goes, do you remember Mitchell Davis? And Corey's response, I actually, it's it's weird because it's, again, very much like this episode where it's like, it doesn't really do anything wrong, but it's not the best way to handle it. But either way, I was like, huh, that they would even bring that up, which is Corey goes, wow, that's not where I thought this was going. How about you tell me about your second time? <laughs> what I'm saying is he doesn't really critique the idea of Eric's first time being with a, a guy, but he does say, I don't want to know anymore. It's a don't ask, don't tell situation. Bro, that's the entire, that's this entire show's attitude towards homosexuality, where they'll make jokes that imply that we acknowledge the existence of it, but nothing further. Don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell. Um, I gotta say, I think the bra moment was the communication thing because Corey trying to touch Topanga's titties because of Sean. To me, that whole <laughs> scene just made me very uncomfortable to watch. I was I, I, a bra moment for sure, just because of the lack of consent and the lack of communication overall. But just yeah, it was just uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, homework? Oh, grades. Grades first. Grades, grades, grades. What did you grade this episode? I think this episode is an A. I'll give it an A. I'm giving this episode an A plus, dude. I think that just the way the show handled it, I've seen a lot of 90s shows tackle these very special episodes. And with the exception of like Seventh Heaven, which every episode is a very special episode, like most of the time it's dealing with sex, drugs, or guns. And so to make this about not something that the kids are doing wrong, but the kids trying to solve a problem that an adult is causing fucking love it i like this episode but it's not an a plus for me because it's a little weighted on one storyline without the balance of blending the two storylines like they it does a good job of presenting both but they don't feel heavily equally weighted and they don't feel like i feel in a few later seasons we would have gotten the perfect blend if that makes any sense. I, I gotta say, I so far, I am really liking when they focus on one storyline. Of course. Like when they just do one throughout. I think they did that 
earlier with Alan's uh, job, like hunting story. I think that whole episode was just him. And I I think it's better. I think they're able, because every time we watch an episode, we're always like, oh, I wish we had a little more of this, this, and this. And so when they don't have 12 different storylines going on, they can really like give us something that's meaningful. Yeah, you're right. We could have gotten like a Eric storyline that meant nothing. And the fact that they didn't do that is what keeps it in A's territory. <laughs> and and part of what I think keeps it in A is also just juggling the balance between a, an extremely sad storyline with sitcom humor and jokes and don't uh, you know what forget it tell me about your second time like little things like that that they're throwing in um which may not age completely well but shows that there was an attempt to keep it light as much as possible even though dealing with this incredibly dark issue agreed um so you know what we didn't do and i want to hit on a little bit we did not talk about the cops Yes, the way they talk about police officers in this. Yeah, let's get Mostly into it. Mostly because Sean, sorry, Corey, straight up calls Sean a criminal. Well, what he says is is that Sean's saying like, hey, the police don't help anything. And Corey's like, yeah, when you did the cherry bomb or when you did this, this, and that, the cops were against you. When you crashed Turner's bike, they arrested you. Sean, you're the problem. You're a criminal. Saying that the reason why he doesn't like police officers is because of what he is doing. I feel like that's very reductive because while it's great and I do like that they point out Sean's perspective, Sean also lives in a trailer park. We've seen sean's family you know like what i'm saying is there is this 90s idea that it's because he's poor that he's a criminal and because he's a criminal he has a problem with cops well it also is the 90s mentality that it's if you're in trouble it's not because of systematic issues we're not aware of that yet it's because of personal accountability that's what i wanted to bring up there's no mention of the systematic like, again, even when we talked about Claire and her father, there is this idea of power and the abuse of power and money and how class plays a role into all of these things and how you feel about the cops. And it never quite, address, it never quite addresses that, which is why I had an issue um, and I did not give it the, the full A+. All right. Well, you know, I think that's fair. I think that is fair, bro. Okay. Uh, homework. My homework that I'm going to recommend is Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. Okay. I've been watching it. Um, it. Honestly, it does feel a lot like uh, Big Little Lies as, as far as like the tone of it and everything. But I love Kerry Washington, and I'm glad to see her in a scandalous role. And um, I think she does really well in it. And, uh, you know, I, again, I've been hanging out with two women throughout my quarantine. And I have found myself ingesting more, like, feminist, female-driven storylines. And um, I think this one's really good. So I recommend everyone check it out. That's really funny because we've started Scandal, but that's not my homework. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it would be. Dude, don't even get me started on Scandal because honestly, season one of Scandal is actually kind of dope, but everything past season one is shit. Oh, uh, we will have to have a conversation about I'll this die on this cross, bro. Because she gets obsessed with men from season two on instead of being like this badass like fixer. That's the best part about her, and she completely abandons that. I want to say Papa Pope is such so needed in television 
and we needed his monologues. We need his rants about the system and black men and white influence and all this other stuff. Like, I need those things on television. I need the you have to be twice as good rant. Um, to be seen by other people. So, <laughs> nah, dude. To me, whenever I hear the "you got to be twice as good to get half as far" rant, I know that that's put there for white people. Colored people don't need to be told that. Well, we don't need to be told that, but it is important—not important, but it is significant—to see it on television. To have uh, do it you know how many white people are unaware that that is something that every black person knows? <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. There are plenty of times where, I, you're right, a television show is saying or doing something not for its black audience, but so black people are represented and see themselves on television in a way they've never seen before. So are you? is your homework scandal? No, it's not! <laughs> but... <laughs> At a later date, it may be. So just hold on to that. My homework has been, it's this documentary on HBO called um, Atlanta's Missing and Murdered, The Lost Children. Okay, so we started like five minutes of it and then got a phone call, video call for someone. We never went back to it. And I'm so interested to watch it. Dude, it is heavy. If you get a chance, please look into it. I think it's very educational. My boyfriend, who was around at this time and the same age as most of the victims, grew up his whole life and never even heard about it. There were 29 missing people who ended up victims in the 80s, and yet half of the nation doesn't even know about it. And I think that says a lot about who and what we value. It's, it's a lesson we get reminded time and time again in America. Absolutely. So, but when you get a chance, check it out. I think it'll be very educational and it's a very well done documentary. Dope, dope. Okay. Um, so that is our episode, right? Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Brown Meets World. Remember, you can find us on all the places with the podcasting. You can leave us a rating. We appreciate that. Um, follow us on Twitter and at Brummies World or email us at brummiesworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tone of the feet. You can find me on Instagram at braver.me at dot braver.me. And if you guys have thoughts on this episode, what is Claire's mom getting beat up? Did Corey handle it the right way? Is Sean eating ass? If you have <laughs> opinions, we want to know. Do you serve grapes when you're having sex? I mean, at this point in time now, I feel like I have to serve grapes when I'm having sex. Bro, if you're not serving <laughs> pre-fellatio grapes, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right, great to remember. Uh, while we're remembering things, remember to dream, to try, and to buy grapes. Buy grapes, guys. You're in quarantine. Like, actually, don't don't go to the grocery store. Don't eat fresh fruit right now. I'm uh, sure by the time this comes out, people can go to the store. Uh, all right, maybe. <laughs> Happy 2022, guys. <laughs> Later, bros. Later.